you know, you brush your teeth every day, it probably only takes a minute morning and night. It's a small habit, but over a lifetime, it makes a difference and it all adds up. So all these small habits will add up to help you have a healthier sleep. You are listening to the Synergy Women podcast, brought to you by women's resilience coach, Nikki Hamilton. Nikki offers expertise in women's health and has an inspiring passion for helping women navigate through grief and life's challenges to help transform and build resilience with grace, courage, and authenticity. Each episode, she will explore an aspect of women's health, offering you insights on ways to build your body, your mind, and your heart health to help you rise up with resilience. In this episode, we will explore mind and body health for women. As a physiotherapist and a yoga teacher, Nikki has both passion and expertise to help you with your health. Welcome everyone and thanks so much for joining me on the Synergy Women podcast. I'm Nikki Hamilton. I'm really looking forward today to having a conversation around sleep and sleep health for women. Now we all know and understand the effects of lack of sleep and how it can impact us in that we can find ourselves more emotional. We have poorer decision-making capacity, poorer judgment capacity. Our memory and our brain function can be affected. We find ourselves snappy. We find ourselves irritable. And all of this can happen just simply due to lack of sleep. And I can relate to this feeling uh, myself. I had a very poor night's sleep uh, a few weeks ago now and unfortunately had to head to Ikea shopping the next day. And I tell you one thing, you don't want to be lost in Ikea, distracted, trying to find what it is that you're meant to be doing whilst you're tired and a bit irritable. And I happened to stumble across a a toddler who was full tantrum, letting loose, just cracking it completely on the floor in the middle of Ikea. (laughs) And I remember looking at that kid thinking, yeah, I can totally relate to you and I feel your pain. I am tired, crabby, and I'm lost in Ikea, and I wouldn't mind joining you on the floor for a little tantrum. Uh, And so we we could all relate to, to how that lack of sleep impacts us and then the knock-on effect is of course it impacts others so so what we're going to be talking about is how to get a better sleep what the common disruptions are to our sleep and some simple strategies to develop better sleep health Uh, but first let's look at understanding kind of what normal sleep is like what normally happens when we sleep uh, within our body and so there's a normal sleep cycle Now, all of this information comes from a great book called Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. So if you're interested in reading more, uh, it's a very interesting book. He's done a lot of reading and research around sleep patterns and sleep health. Uh, But ultimately, what normally happens when we sleep is that as it starts to get dark, because there's less light, there's a signal that happens in our brain to release a chemical called, called melatonin. And that melatonin signals us to start to feel sleepy. Uh, So melatonin won't keep us asleep at nighttime, but it's just kind of like the signal to say, hey, it's nearly bedtime. Let's start getting sleepy. So we start getting ready for bed. So that happens naturally, that release of that chemical uh, as it starts to get dark. Then when we go to bed, we basically have five sleep cycles and each of those uh, cycles lasts about 90 minutes. But the five steps that happen are firstly, we are in a light sleep where we're easily disturbed. So then we reach the next three cycles, which are progressively deeper cycles of deeper sleep where we're less conscious of our outside environment, less uh, commonly disturbed. And those three cycles of progressively deeper sleep 
actually result in uh, reaching us a restorative sleep phase, which which basically is where all of our repair processes happen in the body. So it's really important to be able to get your body to that deep restorative sleep phase. And then the fifth cycle is when we reach REM, which is basically when we dream rapid eye movement, uh, part of our sleep. And so those five stages, uh, they all together take about 90 minutes. And usually in our REM sleep, so our when we're dreaming, we can disturb ourselves with our dreams sometimes. And, and then we wake up a little, roll over, and then start again at step one, which is just the light sleep, progressively going into those three deeper stages of deep sleep where we reach our restorative sleep cycle and then back to REM. So those five steps take about 90 minutes and we tend to do, you know, between four and six of those each night. Then in the morning when light starts to hit our eyes, like even though our eyes are closed, our light um, can penetrate and our brain starts to detect, hang on a minute, I think it's the end of the sleep cycle of sleep now because uh, when light comes in, melatonin in our uh, body naturally reduces. So with that reduction in melatonin, it's, it's like a little signal to the brain to say, hey, it sleep's over, time to wake up. So melatonin uh, is kind of like the signal to help us start off our sleep and also the signal as it reduces that our sleep is over, so the end of our sleep. So kind of like uh, the way he describes it in his book is the, it's kind of the start gun and the finish gun for the, for the whole sleep uh, race, as per se. So it's just the, the starting signal and the end signal. And then what happens is once we wake up, uh, we're hopefully uh, refreshed, and what happens is throughout the day, we, we get a buildup of chemical in our brain, and that chemical is called adenosine. And that chemical progressively builds up, and they call it pressure to sleep. So ultimately, once it reaches a certain level, we at usually about 15 to 17 hours, we start to feel a lot of pressure to sleep um, because that chemical is built up in the brain. So the longer you are awake, the pressure of that chemical builds up and creates that desire to go to sleep. So that's what naturally happens in, in our uh, sleep from morning through the night, morning through the day and then into the night. Now it's important to know that we can actually artificially press mute on that chemical adenosine and that's with caffeine. So caffeine, as it, uh, it's quite interesting to know, it actually latches onto some of the brain's receptor sites, which basically effectively inactivates these receptors and, makes, and tricks you into feeling alert. So it removes that desire to sleep. Despite adenosine still being in your brain, it, it basically tricks your brain into thinking that you're alert. Whereas, um, so it just basically disrupts that normal uh, cycle, that, that normal function of adenosine and, and its effect on the receptors in your brain. So I thought that's pretty interesting. So, so if we just outline now the, the common disruptors to sleep, um, and you know, there's quite a few disruptors that we can have. The first most common disruptor to sleep in actual fact is breathing difficulties. So sleep apnea usually will result in a feeling like you need to nod off all the time during the day because you're not getting good quality sleep because ultimately you never really reach that restorative sleep cycle or you're less likely to reach it because your breathing obstructs you and wakes you up again. So you constantly wake up throughout the night. So you're constantly in those first two or three cycles of sleep and never really get to your uh, deep restorative sleep. 
Uh, so if you or your partner is heavy snoring, tired during the day, uh, you really need to make sure you get to a GP and get yourself tested for sleep apnea because there's lots of ways of managing that. And it's important to get that recognized and treated so that, that way you can go back to having a healthy sleep. Uh, so that's the first disruptor to sleep. Uh, now, nocturia is another disruptor to sleep. So nocturia is basically, uh, and this is quite common with women as we get older, is getting up in the night to pee. Now, if you're getting up in the night once or twice to pee, that's considered kind of within normal ranges. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. But if you're getting up more than that, but not just occasionally, but consistently, then ultimately your sleep cycle is going to be and your sleep health is going to be affected by this. And you can see a women's health physiotherapist to help you sort it out. Now, there's a couple of reasons for getting up in the night frequently to pee. Uh, one of them can sometimes be the medication that you're on. So if you're on medication for some other condition, sometimes medications have the side effect of increasing our urinary output uh, at nighttime, which means we need to get up all the time. But sometimes nocturia or getting up too often in the night is, is simply bladder habits. And so ultimately a women's health physio can work it out with you as to what for you is impacting your getting up to pee in the night, what's impacting it for you. And then they structure a routine for you and some exercises for you to try and figure out how to correct that. And like I said, there's lots of solutions out there. So seek out a women's health physiotherapist that specializes in bladder function uh, because these things are the sorts of things that can be fixed. So you don't need to put up with that. So disruptors to sleep, breathing difficulties, nocturia or getting up in the night too often to pee. A couple of other things that can disrupt our sleep. One of them is blue screens. So ultimately a blue screen is your TV, your laptop, your iPad, your iPhone, they emit light. And as I already alluded to, when the sun goes down and it gets starts to get dark, it signals to our eyes, into our brain to say, look, it's getting dark. Let's release this chemical that helps us feel sleepy. Now, if you're constantly on a computer or constantly on a screen, it can actually impact that, which means that the little signal that you normally have or should have when it gets dark that you need to go to sleep isn't released. So if you're working on a laptop till 10 o'clock at night and expect to be asleep by 10 past 10, uh, you're probably going to have trouble with that. So just be aware that that can be a disruptor for your sleep, and which is why it's really important to turn screens off the closer you are going to bed. The fourth thing that can disrupt your sleep uh, and I hate to say this because I do love coffee, um, but it's caffeine. Now, like I said, I hate to say it because I, I literally love my coffee in the morning, but I, I, I will say I don't have more than one or sometimes two coffees in a day. What we know about caffeine is that it has a half-life of five to seven hours. So half-life basically means that the effects of caffeine slowly reduce and when it gets to 50% of caffeine left in your system uh, that's what we call a half-life so five to seven hours after you've had, had a coffee you've still got 50% of that caffeine in your system which means if you're having a coffee at five o'clock at night or six o'clock at night you can guarantee that by midnight you, you've still got half of that caffeine in your system it's actually not good so so caffeine is a big disruptor to sleep because it, it prevents that all of the chemicals in your in your brain to be uh, and the receptors to function in the right way. Certainly not a recommended thing, um, and I really can't believe I'm saying it. But like I said, in the morning, have your coffee in the morning, and you won't have it a, uh, as much of an impact on your sleep health. Now, another disruptor to sleep. So we've got breathing difficulties, 
getting up in the night time too often to pee, blue screens, coffee, stress is another thing, stress. Uh, because our ability to navigate stress uh, and, and make sure that our, like I've alluded to in, in, or explained in other episodes, our nervous system has, has two sides. One is the accelerator and one is the brake. So this is our autonomic nervous system. So the nervous system that controls, you know, all the automatic functions in our body. And so if we've been stressed, ultimately the accelerator pedal part of our nervous system gets used to being on and we have a hard time trying to find the brake again because we've had, been, had our foot on the accelerator way too much. So that can impact our ability to fall asleep but it can also impact our ability to stay asleep. So you might fall asleep, but then you wake up at 11 o'clock at night and you're thinking of a million things. And that's partly because the accelerator part of our nervous system, called the sympathetic nervous system, is associated or more alert to danger signals. And our body has a hard time resting with the brake on if it's perceiving that, you know, potentially there's some danger around. Now, there's lots of reasons for stress. I mean, sometimes it's uh, a recent trauma or a recent uh, traumatic event, potentially, which has set your nervous system into a stress cycle. Sometimes it's chronic overload. Now, chronic overload can happen to women for a number of reasons. It, it can happen through events that are completely beyond your control and you just have to ride the wave and get some help throughout as best you can. Um, sometimes chronic overload really happens because we're got no capacity or, or limited capacity to say no or we've forgotten how to set boundaries. So if your stress or your overload is because you haven't, you know, worked out how to set boundaries or say no, um, then I've got lots of other episodes that might help you with that. But I do agree that sometimes chronic overload is uh, events and situations that are completely beyond our control and part of it is just holding on for the ride and, and doing the best that we can to look after our health in the meantime. And, and also stress can be past events, so past traumatic stress, which has just set off a chronic sympathetic nervous system or a chronic, uh, like I say, foot on the accelerator uh, type of nervous system, which just has a harder time falling asleep and staying asleep. Now, all of these five disruptors uh, can impact our sleep health. Uh, and all of these five disruptors are, are things that we can do something about. We've got more Synergy Women coming up, but first, let's take a quick break. Would you like to learn more about the Rise Up Method and how it can help offer you a clear framework to overcome life's challenges? See our website, synergywomen.com.au. So let's just go through now, if we can, some tips to help you sleep uh, because these are all strategies that all of us can use and all of them are useful. If these strategies and tips don't help you, then it's always best to seek, like I said, some other independent medical advice because there are situations where your GP's input's important. So let's, let's look at tips to helping you get to sleep. The first tip uh, I'll share with you is number one, no coffee after lunch. And, and again, I think it's much healthier for your body and your brain not to have caffeine after lunch. <laughs> I read an interesting fact that quoted that coffee is actually the most traded commodity after oil throughout the world. So it's a, a pretty well-traded and well-known commodity. We all use it, but it's just not healthy to have after lunch and preferably even after 10 o'clock. So limit your caffeine intake and, and don't have 20 coffees before lunch and hope you, that you'll sleep well because you probably won't. Just reduce your intake and make sure you're having it at the right time of day. 
Next thing that simple tip that can help you sleep, exercise during the day, preferably outside when you've got some sunlight exposure because when you're out in the light uh, with some sunlight, once you start to reverse that and become dark, your body gets used to this natural cycle of being awake during the day in the light and being asleep in the dark. So exercise during the day is well known to improve our sleep health. I would say probably best to avoid if you can exercising toward the end of the day because it does ramp you up a little bit. So uh, if any of you play sports like touch football or any sports afterwards, you know if you have a really late game you, you sometimes can't, can't get to sleep uh, straight away when you get home so it does impact you if you if you exercise too late but generally speaking exercise will always improve uh, your sleep health so no coffee after lunch don't have 20 coffees before lunch make sure you exercise outside during the day uh, the next tip is turn off your screen so ultimately about an hour before bed it's good to adopt what we call a nice bedtime routine and that is turn off your TV, turn off your laptop, put your phone on flight mode. There's no calls that you need to answer at 10 o'clock at night, hopefully, unless there's some emergency um, that you're navigating at the moment. But if you can switch those screens off, that's a, the first step. If you can put on some calming music, you can read a book. The light that comes out of your bedside light uh, won't impact you as much as the blue screen lights will. So just read a book. It's nice to have a routine, like a simple yoga stretch routine. There's lots available online and YouTube. Uh, you can look anything up, but just a nice calming bedtime yoga stretch routine. The other healthy habit uh, that I would suggest for that one hour before bed is simply to get out a notepad or a notebook and, and, and write down your list for the next day. It kind of gets what's in your head out. So you write, and you don't need to write a long winded story. You just write your dot points of, okay, these are the things that are on my mind now that I feel like I'm going to forget. If I, if I put them down here on my notepad, then I'll remember. And then anything else that's concerning you that you think, look, I need to have this conversation or that's worrying me, you can just write it down. Uh, and ultimately writing it down, you're going to write it down outside your bedroom, not in your bedroom. So it's the notepad is going to be left, not beside your bed but preferably outside in the lounge room or the kitchen. Uh, and so that little routine of turning off screens, putting on some nice music, either reading a book or having a stretch, writing down a list or a plan for the next day, including anything you're concerned about, closing the notepad, then getting yourself ready, either brushing your teeth or grabbing a glass of water. Uh, that routine is a nice routine to kind of lead up, to prepare your body to sleep. Uh, the next fourth tip to help you sleep, uh, just get a regular bed and waking time. Now, there's there's lots of research that supports that, which is always really hard for those shift workers that are doing all sorts of different hours. Uh, and they'll, I think, not in agreement at how that can impact their sleep health and their health generally. But ultimately, what we know is that our body likes regular rhythm and routine. So if you're late at night, and going to bed really late at night on weekends and then trying to get up early on a Monday, it can be very, very disruptive. So they, they recommend even if you have a slightly later night that you, you try and get up at the same time because it keeps that 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 simple routine going for yourself. Uh, and there's all sorts of great apps out there now uh, and bedtime reminders. So sometimes I get distracted uh, reading or doing something at night time and a little reminder bell on my phone just to say, don't forget it's bedtime soon. Um, reminds me to say, oh, hang on a minute, I need to shut this down and, and do something else uh, in order to start my bedtime routine and my wind down routine so that my nervous system has the chance to 
take its foot off the accelerator and start to put my foot on the brake in order to have a healthy sleep. Now in the evening, the other important uh, tip uh, for uh, to improve your sleep is, is in actual fact to limit alcohol. Uh, and again, I am not anti-alcohol. I don't mind a glass of red wine. But unfortunately, uh, alcohol will affect our capacity to reach a deep sleep cycle. So even though when you drink, you feel more tired, so you'll probably fall asleep more easily, in actual fact, the quality of your sleep is pretty rubbish in that you'll, you'll, you'll start in that light phase, go to a slightly deeper phase, but never get to that restorative sleep phase and then bounce back out again, so, which is why like you can, you know, I think we've all had this um, potentially, or maybe it's just me, where you've had a big lunch with friends and you've drunk lots of wine or, and you've, or you've been to a big event like a Melbourne Cup or something and you've had a few too many and you get to bed at roughly the same time because it's not a late night necessarily, like you know maybe 8.30 or 9 o'clock, but you wake up tired and dry because the alcohol has prevented you getting into a deep sleep. So, so alcohol is not beneficial to your sleep, even though it makes you feel sleepy. Uh, it, it helps you get to sleep to start with, but the quality of your sleep is not good. Uh, avoiding big meals at night time is another thing because as we digest food, it also can impact or affect our sleep. So limit alcohol and avoid big meals. The other, the other thing, uh, other tip that I can give you to try and help your sleep quality uh, is to try and keep your bedroom a sanctuary. So what I mean by that is when they look at sleep psychology, uh, if you enter your bedroom and you've got your laptop there and a little bit of work and a to-do list and a plan for tomorrow and yesterday's meeting minutes or whatever it is, uh, your brain says, oh, I'm about to go to sleep. Oh, no, I'm not. Maybe I'm at work. Am I at work or am I in bed? I'm not sure. Maybe I should be alert for work. So it's really important that your brain psychology has when you enter the bedroom, this is the place that I sleep. So it's it's far, it's it's recommended that you leave your work, your laptops, even your to-do list, which is why I tell people to, if you've got to write anything down, leave it outside the room uh, because ultimately when you enter the room, your brain should recognise, do you know what, it's time to sleep now and this is not my work environment, this is my sleeping space. So your bedroom needs to be free of all the gadgets. It needs to be dark, cool if you can, so keep the temperature cool. Put your phone on, on flight mode if you can. Uh, if you end up being awake at night time in your bedroom, um, don't get frustrated and anxious thinking, clock watching, thinking, look, I've been awake since 12 and then it's 1 o'clock and then it's 2 o'clock and I'm clock watching and I can't get back to sleep. If you stay in bed frustrated at yourself not sleeping, ultimately your brain starts to associate your bedroom with a frustrated place that you don't sleep. So, so the recommendation is if you are awake like that, rather than lying there and tossing and turning and getting frustrated with yourself and clock watching, the recommendation is that you actually just get up uh, and then do something in the house that's boring and quiet. So don't, you know, get up and put on TV and put on some music and have a, you know, a dance. <laughs> Keep it quiet. Uh, do something boring like a puzzle or like uh, colouring in is one of the recommendations. I haven't coloured in since I was eight years old, so I don't know why anyone would do that but they've said <laughs> I've read somewhere that that could be a nice boring uh, creative but boring uh, activity to do maybe reading a book but ultimately staying in bed frustrated is not going to be beneficial to your long-term sleep psychology so get up do something quiet and boring until you feel tired again and then come back into the sleep sanctuary in order to get back to sleep.
So once you get into to bed, tips to fall asleep. Now there's lots of apps out there that the sleep apps, Rain Rain's one of them that I've been recommended that, that can help uh, create a sound that helps you feel sleepy. Making sure that you keep your to-do list, like I said, in the other room. The other little tip to help you fall asleep uh, is a hot bath, because ultimately what happens is as we start to fall asleep, our body temperature actually drops a little bit. So we're, our, our brain and body associate a dropping body temperature with feeling sleepy. So if you have a hot bath and you get out of the bath, you go from a warm body temperature as you cool off when you get out of the bath, your brain and body start to say, oh, I'm cooling down, maybe I'll get sleepy now, and it starts to kind of trigger that cycle. So it can help you feel sleepy. And, and like I said, if you are clock watching in the bedroom, turning the clock away is one of those things that can help. Don't berate yourself, get up, uh, don't lie there awake at night time. So these are all the tips that can help you manage your sleep, whether it's making sure that you eat the right things, not too much caffeine, not too much alcohol, uh, exercise during the day, develop a healthy sleep routine, make sure you're getting to sleep in a way that's healthy. So it might be having a hot bath or it might be writing down your list, keeping everything outside. And then once you are in bed, making sure that you know, you, you've, you've navigated any other medical conditions that might be disrupting you, like sleep apnea or nocturia. And if you are awake, then making sure your sleep sanctuary is not disrupted or, or frustration is, is felt in there. You get up and do something boring and come back to bed. So I hope uh, some of these ideas and this conversation around sleep has helped you understand a little bit more about what should happen when we sleep, some of the things that disrupt our sleep and some really basic tips to, to try and help you develop healthy habits around your sleep. Uh, the three key tips I want uh, for you to take away today is, well, first thing is obviously we all need healthy sleep. And unless we want to be like that toddler in Ikea on the floor, completely cracking it each day, <laughs> it's important that we actually get some healthy sleep. So the first tip that I'll give you is if you're experiencing things like nocturia, getting up too often at night to pee, in chronic insomnia or breathing related difficulties, you must seek some medical advice because there's medical help out there. That's the first tip. The next tip is small healthy habits help. So Make sure you have regular sleep times. Reduce your caffeine intake, especially after lunch. Reduce your alcohol intake. Try to skip alcohol at least four nights a week is the recommendation. And make sure you don't drink too much. Reduce your screen time. So make sure like an hour before bed, you switch off your screen. These are all simple, healthy habits. They're only, only small things, but all the small things add up. And I often allude or, or give this description is if you can imagine, you know, you brush your teeth every day, it probably only takes a minute morning and night. It's a small habit, but over a lifetime, it makes a difference and it all adds up. So all these small habits having normal sleep times, reducing your caffeine, reducing your alcohol, reducing your screens, all of those little habits will add up to help you have a healthier sleep. The third key tip is just to adopt a routine and keep your bedroom a sanctuary. So your routine needs to be screens off, put on some music, write your list, have a bath, have a stretch, slow down before you then get into bed. And if you need an app to get to sleep, um, then that's all, you know, there's plenty of apps out there that can uh, play you some repetitive, calming music to help you get off to sleep. And keeping your bedroom a sanctuary uh, is an important part for your sleep psychology. So I hope all of that uh, has helped you understand a little bit more about sleep and given you a few tips and ideas on managing sleep and uh, having a healthier sleep. Thanks so much for joining me. 
If you like what you've heard, it'd be great if you could rate and review this podcast from wherever you are listening. And don't forget to click subscribe so you'll be notified when we release our next episode.